0: Hey, what's going on? I'm Doug Cunnington, and this is The Doug Show. Today, I am honored to talk with Diana Merriam, and she is the founder of the Economy Conference, and she also is the host of Optimum Finance Daily. I think I got that right. So, Diana, how are you today?
1: Very good. Thanks so much for having me. It's Optimal Finance Daily.
0: Okay, I thought I messed it up. Thank you for correcting. We'll put links and everything so people could actually get to it.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Diana, for people that don't know you, can you give an intro about yourself and what you do currently? Sure.
1: So I founded the Economy Conference, which has been described as a party about money, as well as the TED Talks of the FIRE movement. We're not associated with TED Talks, but it's just an easy way to understand it. And then I also host the podcast Optimal Finance Daily, which is a narration-style podcast where I'm reading blog posts from popular bloggers that we all know and love. And then I'm offering a little bit of commentary at the end. So it's every single day, 10 minutes or less. And I like to say that these bloggers wrote these amazing songs and I get to perform the covers.
0: <laughs> nice. So what, what did you do before you got into uh, the world that you're in now?
1: Yeah. So I built my career in brand extension and licensing, which is a pretty specific business model. Um, I guess the closest kind of industry you can say that it's related to is, is it's kind of a marketing function. So it allows a brand to get into um, a product category where they have no expertise by licensing out their brand name to a manufacturer who, do, who does have expertise, but can Get a lot of value out of leveraging a brand that people know. So I'll give you an example. Um, think of something like Welch's fruit snacks. Now that's a $400 hundred million dollar business, uh, and Welch's doesn't make that product. So Welch's actually licenses their name to another company called Promotion in Motion. So if you flip over the back of the package, you'll see at the bottom, this is under license with Promotion in Motion, and. That company does all the product development. They manufacture the product. They distribute the product. They market the product. They sell the product. And then they literally do like all of the work. And then they pay a royalty back to Welch's. And so I have spent the last 12 years in this industry um, basically sitting in the middle. So i worked at an agency that specialized in this kind of work. And so we would negotiate the deals, find the partnerships, negotiate the partnerships, and then manage those businesses day to day. So some of my major clients were like Budweiser, for instance. So if you go in your grocery store right now and you see Budweiser beer brats or Budweiser um, beer breaded shrimp, those are actually products that I brought to market that I set up those those partnerships. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you'll pass in the grocery store, or even like kids toys. So like when you see a Toy Story toy, obviously, they're paying a royalty in, in order to, to be able to use that brand. So so yeah, it's a very specific bu- business model that I've I've built my career in.
0: Interesting. And for people that want a deeper background... My other podcast with my friend Carl Jensen, uh, Mile high fi We talked to Diana then, and we—it's a fantastic story of how you left that job and some other things that you did. So I'll leave it as a teaser because today we're going to talk about your uh, rejection of what seems to be a really good job offer. Yeah, um, you are a great copywriter. You wrote a, a headline. I opened your email because it said I turned down a job that had $150,000 per year salary. So can mm-hmm. you walk us through sort of what happened and we're going to pick some threads and go deep here and there, but what's the sure. the overview of this?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, I quit my W2 job back in January of this year. And at the time that I was making that decision, I looked at my financial situation and actually, I was leaving that job for not very happy reasons. I was leaving on principle because um, I was being held to a much higher standard than my male colleagues, and I was the only woman on my team. And so when it became very clear that that would not be corrected, I felt the need that I needed to walk away on principle. And so looking at my financial situation at the time, I had already reached Coast Fi. So I knew that I had like a lot less pre- Pressure to save because my traditional retirement was set, right? My expenses are relatively low. When I actually ran my budget, I was looking at $3,000 a month all in on you know, my monthly expenses, including all my fixed and discretionary expenses. And so at the time I look at my savings account, I have one year of expenses in cash. And then I had another year of expenses in an after tax brokerage. So in my mind, it was like, okay, I've got a two year runway here to figure this out. I'm going to give myself a year to decide what the future looks like. Can I figure out self-employment? Can I figure out how to meet my monthly expenses without having a full time job? Is that a possibility for me? And I, at the time, had written a list of 14 potential streams of income that I wanted to explore. Um, and I had to table a lot of those because, as you had mentioned before, I have this business, the Economy Conference, which actually just happened in November. So that ended up taking up a, a lot of my bandwidth for you know six months prior to that. I also host the show Optimal Finance Daily, which at the time covered about a third of my expenses. And um, you know, as I mentioned, it's this daily show. The show's actually been around for five years and I was hired as the new host about a year ago. So I knew I wasn't walking away with no income, but it wasn't enough to cover my expenses every month in full. So I had expected to tap into some of that savings as I figured out what the future looks like over the next year. And the funny thing happened. I did not anticipate that I would get such a large tax return in like February, March. And the reason why I got about almost $9,000 in a tax return is because I took a huge loss on my business the prior year. So I took about a 40 grand loss on the economy conference in 2020. And that then I got kind of this windfall of this tax refund. And I've actually been living off of that tax refund from like February to September. So it, I I tell that, and I know you're asking about this new job, but I wanted to set the stage of like where I was in making this decision because I had walked away from my W2 job with a two year runway and then I find myself almost a year later, and I still have that two-year runway. And actually, my burn rate was much slower than I had projected. So I'm projecting $3,000 a month. When I actually tallied up how much I was spending during this time, it's closer to $2,000 a month. Because I think naturally, when your income goes away, and you're already a frugal person, you kind of up the ante a little bit, right? It's a big adjustment to go from you know, a six-figure salary to barely covering your expenses. And so I think I just naturally kind of pared back from um, my typical spending. And so, so all that to say, you know, I I'm coming to the close of this first year when I told myself, giving myself a year to figure it out. And at the end of that year, if I can't figure it out, maybe I'll consider going back to full-time work for the right opportunity, of course. And so during this time, I had picked up a consulting project within this industry of licensing that I described. And I won't name the company, but I really loved this brand. And they were only paying me for my time, but I did a really good project for them. They were really happy with my work. And I was really impressed with the organization. And I really felt like I could make an impact there. And so, you know, we took a break prior to the conference for about a month so that I could really focus on the conference. And we decided to kind of pick up after economy had happened to see what the future looks like for us. And so the president of the company says, you know, based on your recommendations for this strategy you put together, you know, we're going to hire someone for this position to run this department. And they invited me to apply for the position. And... You know, but they basically said, obviously we want you to be in the role, um, but you have to go through this process of applying and jumping through all the hoops, right? And we're going to open it up to other candidates. Though I felt pretty confident that that I had a very good shot at getting it, and so. I look at the job description. There were a couple of things that weren't ideal, but I mean, it was $150,000 salary. It was unlimited vacation. It was a flexible schedule. It was my dream job. I mean, when I was like knee deep in my career, this would have been the job that was like the pinnacle of what I wanted. And so I was obviously really excited about it and willing to sacrifice some of that autonomy over my time that I've enjoyed over the last year in exchange for a pretty amazing opportunity. But there were a few things about the job description that didn't really sit right with me. So I had a call with the president of the company and I kind of laid out some of my hesitations and concerns. And during that phone call, it became very apparent that they weren't gonna be very supportive of my side hustles. And they invited me to do a little soul searching, insinuating that some of my side hustles would have to go. Um, and that was just like a real deal breaker for me, you know, and, and we had a pretty challenging conversation about it, especially because during the, the consulting project, they were very well aware of my podcast and the conference and did not raise any of these concerns prior to it was only, it only became apparent to me when they talked about, um, they described another situation of someone they were hiring in a different area of the company and they decided not to move forward with one candidate that was really promising because he had a side business and they didn't like that. And I said, well, I, I need, I need you to know that I have side stuff too. I mean, I thought that was pretty obvious. And, um, we had a kind of an interesting conversation about, well, what's going to take priority If you've got to close a deal for us, but then you've also booked a speaking engagement, which one are you going to do? And my response to that was, well, I don't think it's about what takes bigger priority. I think it's about managing responsibilities across all the areas of work. And there are going to be some moments when you guys take priority and there are going to be other moments where economy takes priority, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the quality of my work will suffer. And by the way, I've built up the economy conference on the side while I had a full-time job and my previous employer never even knew until it started getting pressed because my the quality of my work didn't suffer at all. So they had no idea what I did on my personal time, which is kind of like, hmm, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they? Why would they? So um, you know, it's it's she did try to backpedal a little bit during this conversation, talking about how like we have employees that are doing real estate and someone has a photography business. Like it's not like people are if you work here, it's the only thing you can do with your life. Um, but there was definitely it was like my instincts were very much like, this is this is a red flag. And I was very transparent about my hesitations. You know, the fact that I have six trips booked next quarter, which would be within the first 90 days of starting this job. And she was not happy about that at all. And I think her expectation is that I would cancel some of those trips, but I will not because I am committed to taking those trips. And so... um it just became very clear to me on this call that um if I took this job they really wanted to own my time. And as much as it says it's a flexible schedule and unlimited vacation, um that's what it says on paper but in spirit that's not true. And so um it, I we ended this conversation with like me being very transparent about my hesitations and I even said to her um and I think this really threw her off. Um, I said, look, I know you don't mean it this way, but I'm a woman who doesn't have any children and who is not planning on any, having any children, but economy is my baby, you know? And what I hear you saying is, well, when your kid is sick, you're still going to come into work, right? and you're going to prioritize this job over your family aren't you and i know you would never say that to a, a woman i know you would never say that to a mother but that's what it feels like you're saying to me right now and it's not sitting well with me at all it's it's a big concern and so i felt like i really laid that out and i thought long and hard about it over the weekends um like i said this was my dream job this was a level of income that um Would have taken away all the uncertainty that I've been navigating over the last year. And it was a really, really, really hard decision to say no. But I did. I wrote back and I said, you know, I've thought a lot about this. I've done the soul searching and I'm deciding not to apply. But I have a very extensive network in this industry. I'm in a really good position to help you find the perfect person. I can also be a resource for you in an advisory or consulting capacity, just like on the previous project where you come to me for very specific you know, help on certain things you're navigating. And I, can, I would love to be a resource for you because, again, I really believe, believe in the company and the brand. Um, I'm just not in a... I don't think it's fair for either of us for me to take this full-time job right now. And... <sighs> The response that I got was overwhelming validation that I shouldn't have taken this job. I mean, the press. The go ahead.
0: I was gonna say I'll, I'll I'll let you catch a breath here for a second. I know. Sorry, e- I'm e- just
1: going though, and going and going.
0: <laughs> even though it makes a very easy interview, I could ask one question like, "Who are you?" And then uh, you know, 30 minutes later. But I'll, I'll let you take a sip there. I want to jump in and give a quick plug to my other podcast, Mile High Fi. My co-host and I, Carl Jensen from 1500days.com, have a great time either just shooting the shit and talking about a specific topic, or we talk to uh, some of our friends. We interview some pretty cool people like Mr. Money Mustache, JL Collins, Scott Rickens from Playing With Fire and a purple life we've talked to jd roth many other people and you know folks you maybe haven't heard of yet some people that don't blog or do anything like that and they just have cool stories so we'd love for you to check it out you could find it wherever you listen to podcasts. it's mile High fi and it's also on youtube so before we get into the the response after you you know i guess rejected the the job offer the conversations and the i guess the exchange overall sounds like you were pretty bold and i, I mean i've tried to negotiate some things in the past not very successfully but I guess what gave you the confidence to bring up some of the points that you, you know, mentioned, you do seem like a bold person in general, but uh, (laughs) can you talk about that a little bit and maybe, you know, think about people that are not either as bold or maybe they don't Mm -hmm. have the same confidence to bring up those uh, things that are important for them?
1: Yeah. Well, the way that I see it, I have had a taste over the last year of full autonomy over my time. And so if I'm going to give that up, it needs to be for the perfect opportunity. And if there are going to be red flags, then it's just not the right thing. And so I felt compelled to be really honest about how I felt, what my position was. I wanted to dig into their viewpoint on stuff because also I know people are like, just someone had said this to me when I was making this decision of, just take the job. And if it doesn't work out in a year, you could just go back to what you're doing now. But in my mind, if I'm going to take a job like that and have the opportunity to make a huge impact, I don't want to do it for just a year. I was at my last employer for nine years. I'm kind of a long hauler. You know, When I commit to something, I really want to dig in. And so that didn't sit well with me. I don't want to just be somewhere for a year. I want to be really intentional about what I decide to do for work so that I'm in a position to do it for a long time. And um, I just think I'm also not desperate for a job right now. Like I I took the time to explain my financial situation to give you some context of how the money factors into the decision. Yes, it is an incredible salary. And most people would think that I'm crazy for turning that down. But when you think about how I still have a two-year runway and the fact that my expenses are only $2,000 a month, You know, and they're actually going to go down even further because my boyfriend's moving into my house and reducing my expenses even further. And so, you know, I'm not in a financial position where I'm desperate for that huge salary. And so I actually have the privilege to be really intentional about how I spend my time. And again, the opportunity cost on my time for a W 2 job is it is costly. It is costly for, um, my creative pursuits, my entrepreneurial pursuits, the, my, the ability to take care of myself mentally and physically. And so I'm, I'm going to be really, um, I'm going to take my time and be very critical of a decision like that.
0: And, yeah. you know, the other part is, you know, the opportunity cost, like, like you mentioned, And I I was going to go in that direction. The thing is, like economy... I I had a blast, by the way. I just got my voice back. It's like a month later. It was so much fun. But the, the trajectory that it's on is... It seems to be fantastic where I'm sitting. Everyone seemed to have a good time. So to take a break or you know, not have it as a priority for a full year is massive, especially where it's at right now. Why do you think uh, maybe other corporate entities that try to hire people like us, why do they think they have so much leverage over people that value autonomy so much or a project where, I mean, you can see the vision a few years out and it yeah. can be really huge. So why are they overplaying their hands so much?
1: I think that we are very unique we're in a privileged position that we can have full autonomy over our time. And most people are in, you know, this, this situation with this um, job opportunity uh, inspired a new quote that I will be uh, publishing soon. So you're the first to, to hear it publicly, but your employer is your customer, not your overlord. And I think that employers for a long time have been treated like overlords. And so they don't really know how to handle when someone isn't going to treat them that way. And when someone, um, is, I guess, more in the driver's seat of their own life, you know, um, that's I, and I think it's just the dynamic of shit of work is shifting and some organizations can't keep up with that. You know, the saddest thing to me about this whole scenario, and we started to get into the response that I got. So I'd like to continue on that, but the response that I got, to that offer of helping them find someone and continuing to be a resource for them because they clearly really valued the knowledge that I brought to the table. And the basically they, the president wrote back berating me for not accepting the job and that I led her on for months while I was doing this consulting project. And, um, she feels like I misled her on my, on my level of interest, which, from my perspective, I was very interested. And then we had a conversation where I was presented with new information about how she felt about my side stuff. And I had to make a decision based on the information I had on hand. And I decided not to move forward. But what's sad about it is that I could have been an incredible resource for this organization. I could have helped them find someone really good. I could have continued to consult and advise them. But the way they responded to me in... um. In such an aggressive, uh, highly inappropriate way, uh, they burn the bridge. And so now I'm not in a position to help them because I'm not going to recommend to my network of people who I love and trust that they should take this job with someone who talks to people that way. And so now I can no longer... Help them find someone, and I'm actually not really interested in working with them further based on how they treated me. And the the thing that's crazy about it is they just have no idea that that I am in the position to say actually okay we're we're just going to cut this off right here. Um, and it's sad to me because the the element of wanting to control someone's time was so much more important than an incredible asset that they could have had in their organization. And that, to me, is so backwards. You don't need to own someone's time in order to get value out of them. And I think that um, through this like great resignation and companies interacting more with people like us that aren't desperate for a job, I'm hoping that that dynamic will shift over time.
0: I think it's great. that I mean, the power is shifting, and we can kind of see it in real time, especially with your specific example here. Um, Unfortunately, I think I was a a few years too early with my, (laughs) with my boldness. So I got got laid off, but you know, it turned out okay. Yeah. So I I guess I want to shift gears a little bit for other people that may be in a situation where they have to assess a decision. Mm -hmm. Maybe it seems risky and... I, there's probably a couple areas you could take it. I, I think you alluded to having some conversations with your inner circle and maybe getting some external input to make sure that you got the full context, I guess. But yeah, yeah. can you talk about how you made the decision and then uh, how someone can do it on their own? Sure.
1: Well, I love that you brought up that I really leaned heavily on my support system. And I do that with every major decision I make, any minor decision I make one thing that I've learned about myself and maybe other people listening to this are, are the same way, but I'm an extreme extrovert. And what that means is that I talk to think. Half the time, like I'm talking to you right now, I have no idea what I'm going to say until it's already coming out of my mouth, right? And so if I'm not talking to someone, I actually don't have access to my own creativity, and so it's really important for me I think for everyone but for me specifically the fact that I'm an extrovert that has to talk through things it's really important for me to have a solid support system that I can call on about this stuff and um, I have just an incredible network of friends and family that um have been just a great resource for me and what I think is important about those people is that they all have, really abundant mindsets and they believe in my potential. So there are certain people that I wouldn't talk to about this decision because they'd say, are you crazy? You got to take that job. You don't know where your future income is going to come from. Right? That's a scarcity way of looking at it. The people in my network are very abundant mindset people. And so they would say things to me like, why would you take this job for one hundred and fifty thousand when economy is going to be very profitable at the next event within the six figures? You know, if you just keep full autonomy over your time and keep building the business that you have, you can make a hell of a lot more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars eventually, right? Which, granted, I've been working on this business since summer of 2018 and haven't made a penny off of it. So I do think it's going to pay off in the long run, but it's not paying the bills today. And it won't for quite some time. It won't be profitable until the next event in 2023. So, um, you know, that that's the kind of perspective I think we get from our support system. Um, and I think my own abundance mindset was very helpful in this decision because... I get opportunities all the time, right? Yes, this was a really good one. But when I look at how the last year has panned out and all of these things that have come my way that were completely unexpected, one thing I really like to say to myself is you can't possibly anticipate opportunities today that will present themselves tomorrow. But I think having kind of a trust that those opportunities will present themselves can prevent you from making a decision based out of fear. And so the way that that worked out for me, which is so funny, because I sent this email that you're talking about like a week ago, right? And then since then, I got the response from the um, prospective employer that validated that I was so glad I didn't take the job. And then right after that, the producers who produced my podcast invited me to be a host of another show they're creating. And it's so out of left field because my current show is personal finance focused. It's Optimal Finance Daily. It's a narration-style podcast. This new show... I'm reading daily horoscopes. It's like completely different and it's 100% voice acting. So like, like in my current show, optimal finance daily, I, it takes me about 20 to 30 minutes per episode to like write some commentary. And then it takes, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to record on the new show. It's all just scripted and it's all voice acting. And it's a completely different style of reading that is like really fun. And, um, it's just it's like that just landed in my lap and it's like it pays pretty well. Now now this is a new show that they have to make sure it gets traction. so we're really only committing to two months. and then if it gets traction, then then it will continue. But if it goes well, like I am fully covering my two to three thousand dollar a month expenses with these two podcast jobs and then everything else I do is just gravy on top. And And so yes, I do need to cover my expenses, but because they're so low, um, I don't need a salary of 150 grand. I don't need to take on that opportunity cost that comes with a salary at that level because I don't, frankly, I don't need that much money. I need to cover my expenses and that's very easily done. And the fact that this opportunity dropped in my lap and then at the same time, you know, I mentioned my boyfriend, we decided for him to move in. So my expenses are becoming even lower. It's just, um, I would have never thought when I turned down this job, that I would find something immediately that was a much better fit. And so that is abundance mindset, though. When you say no to one opportunity, that's not the perfect fit. You're leaving room in your life to be presented with other things that are a better fit. But you have to have the trust that that will happen in order to say no.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. Well, what's going to happen in the future? We don't know that unless maybe we check out that new horoscope show. Maybe that'll help out. (laughs) I'm not sure. Your
1: future will thank you.
0: (laughs) Thanks to Ezoic for sponsoring this episode, especially their new product, Leap. Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. It was built for publishers, and in fact, it's free to people that monetize with eZoic. And it allows visitors to load pages instantly using eZoic Cloud to serve new core web vital friendly ads using lightning fast server side eZoic edge technology and basically Ezoic helps your site load faster and get those green core web vitals. You can also simplify speeding up your site and cut the cost so you can optimize everything from code to content using the features designed to eliminate the need for costly third-party technology and plugins. And basically what happens, and this happened to me, you try to add more and more plugins to optimize to maybe minimize your CSS or minimize your JavaScript, or something like that. And you end up with several different plugins and technologies. But basically, you can just use Leap. And generally, and this is the stats that Ezoic cites, the average site is able to remove 3.5 optimization features, technologies, or plugins, saving them $250 per year when they are using Leap for free. So thanks a lot to Ezoic, and be sure to check out Leap. Do you have any tips on identifying uh, like very good opportunities versus great or perfect ones? Because like you said, a few years ago, the 150K job, I mean, that was a great thing uh, that would have been perfect. So, yeah, how can you assess it? And obviously, it's a a very murky thing and and you never know until afterwards.
1: Well, there's the one side of it that is like your practical brain, right? You're running numbers, you're, you know, there's a side of my decision-making that is definitely looking at the numbers, right? And I kind of described that a bit in this conversation, but the highest form of intelligence is intuition. So you make big decisions like this by listening to what is happening inside of you. And so, for example, When I um, took the job for Optimal Finance Daily, I was not having a good time. I was like doom scrolling one night. It was 11pm, feeling sorry for myself for whatever reason. And I'm scrolling and I see this opportunity come up in the, the FinCon group. And as I read that post everything in my body was like screaming at me. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. And then I spent two hours writing them the most amazing application that they couldn't resist. Right. And it, it was just so apparent. Another thing, another decision, even when I made this decision on t- turning down the job, As I was on the phone listening to this person express their distaste for my side hustles, everything in my body was saying, nope, you got to walk away from this. It was like yelling at me. Very similarly, um, this is totally not finance related, but on Friday, I was walking my dog and I found two kittens by a dumpster. And so I go back to help them and long story short, now I have two kittens, (laughs) (laughs) and they are like the most perfect Christmas miracle. And they have filled my house with so much love. And of course, you know, when I first pick them up and I'm talking to my boyfriend and we're both like, we can't do this. We did not wake up this morning saying that we're going to take in two cats. We can't do this. And this is so unexpected. And, and then I fell in love with them. And they are just the, the just little balls of joy. And I did not plan for this. I did not put it into my budget that I'm going to spend $1,000 this month getting two cats spayed and neutered, right? However, I have the financial bandwidth to seize opportunities that present themselves. And what good is money if you don't get to use it in that way, right? Money is a tool. And I think that a lot of people look at money as the end goal, but it's a tool to create a life that you love. And I would encourage everyone to look at it that way and not look at it as, you know, from a place of fear or scarcity or what happens if this, that, and the other thing. Well, what happens if you waste your whole life chasing money and you never get the joy of two little baby kittens that. Came and made your Christmas better. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> what um what's your dog's name again? I forget. Oh, Buddy. Buddy. What does Buddy yeah. think of the kittens? Is he a cat uh, guy or what?
1: So he has, I've seen him inter- cat interact with cats before. Um, he's a little jealous because he's very attached to me. And so we we we're having very limited interaction with them right now because I have a vet appointment for the cats tomorrow. I want to make sure they don't have any parasites or anything like that before they interact too much with the dog but we have had like moments of them sitting in the same room and buddy's just he's concerned he looks at them with a very worried look on his face he's he doesn't look like he's gonna hurt them um but i think he's gonna need a little time to recognize that there's a there's enough love to go around
0: (laughs) yeah that's a tough one i think our dog would just i mean a cat is prey so she's gonna go after a cat Although, you know, they they have some of those bigger breeds that would probably stand their ground and that could be different, but that is, uh, that's amazing. It is a Christmas miracle.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it really is. It's just, I just love them so much.
0: (laughs) So uh, just to get back on topic and we are sort of wrapping up here, any other broad thoughts? I mean, this is an amazing story and I think it's great that you created a situation where you not just have the leverage, but the confidence to stick to the like autonomy or the life that you're mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. create for yourself and continue on with your your uh, projects that you want to work on. But any other broad thoughts that you want to mention before we uh, let people know where to find you?
1: Yeah. You know, it, this whole experiment with self-employment for me, and again, it's going better than I had expected, you know, when I planned this out and and thought about the possibilities, Um, I really feel like getting to a place where you can take the risk of self-employment should almost be like a step on your path to five, because what happens is like, yes, I still have to work. I still have to make a little bit of money, but I don't have to have the demands of a W2 job. And and I'm able to take on the risk that comes with self-employment, the feast and famine that comes with self-employment, right? And so I would encourage people if, you know, again, it's an adjustment to go from W-2 to self-employed. But if you feel like you can make that adjustment, it's a really good stepping stone to FI because it gives you that full autonomy over your time. It Kind of forces you to really think about what kind of work is fulfilling, not just for the paycheck, but how you want to use that time that you now have full full ownership over. And, you know, even if you fully retire, I would encourage everyone just don't sit around and do nothing, right? You still have to do what probably looks like work to other people, but now it becomes by choice versus from necessity. I still have to work out of necessity, but I'm in this like middle ground of being able to explore work that is creatively fulfilling, um that can make a really big impact that does, but that doesn't necessarily make me a lot of money. And that's okay. Um, so yeah, i i I think that there's a lot of benefits to self-employment. I think that you can create a life and work that you don't feel the need to retire from, which is kind of where I'm at now. I mean, When I was in my W-2 job, I was six years away um, or seven years away because I'm now 34. I was set to hit five by 40. And by choosing self-employment, I either have slowed down that timeline or I've sped it up, right? Because my earning potential is really unknown. Um, If I make this great profit next year off of economy, well, now I've just changed my timeline again. Um, But what's better about worrying about the timeline is the fact that that timeline now becomes irrelevant because my life already looks now the way I would want it to look if I was financially independent and retired. I would be doing exactly what I'm doing now. So that is something that has been very fulfilling for me personally. And I would recommend that if you have reached Coast Fi, if you are... Like someone wrote me the other day, I'm four years away from Fi. Well, that sounds like a great time to take your foot off the gas and start doing some exploring and start pushing past your comfort level because it's just going to make the whole experience a lot richer and more fulfilling.
0: Agree 100%. Diana, where can people find you?
1: Well, you can listen to me every day on Optimal Finance Daily, wherever you listen to podcasts, um you can also go to economyconference.com and sign up for my mailing list to um stay up to date on what's happening with the conference the next one is uh, tentatively scheduled for spring 2023 so we've got a bit yet Um, But I'll be announcing when I'm signing speakers and solidifying programming. And that's usually where I kind of share things like this, uh, my ramblings on these decisions that I'm making. So definitely subscribe to the newsletter and then definitely subscribe to the Economy Conference YouTube channel, because in just um, a few weeks, I'm going to be releasing all of the speeches that were recorded at the Economy Conference this past November. So definitely check that out.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll link up. All those things so people can get to it and depending on when they listen or watch this they uh, may be able to head over to the youtube channel and see uh some of the wonderful talks like carl gave a an awesome mm-hmm. speech and there, there were many others but i'll just plug carl because he's my friend
1: of course no his speech was hilarious i just sent back all the notes from the rough cut to the video editor and um Man, he is just hysterical. And he had the audience rolling. Like, the, the, just the laughter you can hear from the audience is just contagious.
0: It's fantastic. All right, Diana, thanks a lot.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thanks to Diana. And definitely check out the Economy Conference. And if you like YouTube she has some pretty awesome, very high quality videos from economy, the inaugural event. And then the one that I went to in November of 2021, I had a blast. I had so much fun in Cincinnati. It was, it was cold and rainy, but it was still so much fun. The Area where the conferences is, is you know really nice and walkable, even in the rain. It it actually snowed a little bit while we were there, but we were in double, indoors most of the time. There was uh, like an urban hiking event, which we unfortunately that was that was a snowy day, but it was pretty fun. I, I had a raincoat that I brought with me, and it turned out okay. And I would say if you're starting to get interested in the, you know, the personal finance stuff, definitely check out economy. I believe it'll be, you know, March or April of 2023. So it's, it's a little bit further out. There's not going to be one in 2022. I will most likely be there in 2023 because it was such a fun time and Cincinnati. It's pretty, I mean, it was, it was fine. I mean, there's a lot of other places that I would go instead. Full disclosure, I probably wouldn't think oh, I really want to check out Cincinnati. But if you're if you're going to a place, it was fine. And if you're if you're going to have a conference where you can basically have uh, sort of cheaper things going on because it's not as expensive as maybe uh, a city on the coast or something like that. I'm really selling it hard here. Cincinnati was just fine. The chili spaghetti thing, pretty good. I actually enjoyed it. I've made it at home now too. I'm a bit of a cook and I was like, ah, I got some pretty good chili here. Why don't I throw some nutmeg and cinnamon in there and take it to the next level and then serve it on spaghetti noodles with cheddar cheese on top and some extra beans and chopped up onions. It's pretty good. I mean, if you go to Cincinnati... You may as well try it out. There's no reason not to. Star Skyline? Skyline Chili, that's what it's called. And the other little plug that I'll give here is the full, very long form interview that I did with Diana over on the Mile High Five podcast. Carl and I talked to Diana for a pretty long time, got a really interesting backstory and how she's been working really hard on economy. Very, very interesting especially i'm not I'm not the kind of person who would want to put on a big event like that and then go in for the long term and grow the event. It has been a labor of love for Diana and I mean so much work going into um you know basically having to pay. To run the conference, I mean it wasn't cash flow positive early on, but with the popularity and just how awesome the conference is, I expect it to you know continue to grow and she's doing a great job and she has a podcast too. so if you dig podcast, uh, check out the optimal finance daily. She reads blog posts and then provides a little commentary about it so a lot of lot of different blog posts that she reads out there. And it's an interesting network that they have. It it's a simple concept. I mean, they don't come up with any new content, but they they uh, sort of repurpose blog posts and they just read them. They get permission, of course, but interesting concept. You may be able to take that kind of idea and pivot it to another area perhaps. So ha- have a look over there. It's kind of interesting how they have that whole thing put together. I expect they hire talent, they hire their host, pay them you know a flat rate per month or whatever, have a contract with them, and then they just you know pump pump out the content. They've been around for a few years, so like I said, you may get some ideas for an, a business idea that you could pivot to a different area, something like that. All right, I'm going to leave it at that for today. So have a great day out there and we'll catch you on the next episode.